DiscerningHearts.com, in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha, presents Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. Pope Francis, in his encyclical letter, Lumen Fidei, The Light of Faith, said that faith's past, the act of Jesus' love which brought new life to the world, comes down to us through the memory of others, witnesses, and is kept alive in that one remembering subject, which is the Church. The Church is a mother who teaches us to speak the language of faith. In that spirit, this series of conversations with Archbishop Lucas brings the many aspects of the Catholic faith and why it matters, not only to the individual, but also to families, communities, and the world at large. Why it matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We now continue our conversation with Archbishop Lucas, discussing Gaudium et Spes, the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world. Welcome, Archbishop Lucas. Thank you, Chris. Great to be with you again. I am so grateful for the opportunity to explore the teachings of the Vatican II fathers. We can call them that, can't we? Especially through this pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world, Gaudium et Spes. Because, as we've said repeatedly throughout our conversations, 50 years ago, they had real insight to the trajectory of where the world was heading. And what they had to offer us can still help us navigate the journey today, can it? That's true. For one thing, the Council Fathers reminded us that the Church has to always be uh, taking stock of, and then also speaking to the contemporary world, so what, whatever age it is we're, we're living in. We don't live in the past, and we don't operate a museum, but we have a, a mission from, from Jesus Christ to proclaim the gospel in every time and in every place. Some people today might look back and say, well, what they said you know, in the 1960s doesn't say much about the modern world, because that's, that's not modern anymore. But it, more important is to note that there still is, a, is the responsibility to relate to and to offer light to the the contemporary world. Then, as you say, so many of the topics that were already serious then and apparent to the Council Fathers are still very much with us, because many of them are just rooted in the human condition and in the nature of, of the human person. Some of the details change, of course. Some things, some difficult things become worse, some things you know, become better or, or just sort of pass out of concern, but but in all, in very many of the the themes that are raised in this pastoral constitution still deserve our attention, and they're still helpful as we look for a lens through which to view the modern world, the world in which we're living, and then to try to understand how to speak into it. Yeah, I think it was Cicero that said that someone who doesn't understand their history or know their history is destined to remain a child forever. And I think for me, particularly at the age that I am now, it surprises me when I turn around and look back, even in the history of the, of the many decades I've been living, that history, it, it changes, but yet it repeats itself. And there's a lot for us to learn, isn't there? There is, of course. And I think we, um, there's a proper study of church history and how the, the church has 
fulfilled or not the mission of Jesus in, in various times and places. So I, I agree with everything that you say. At the same time, I would say, we don't want to primarily be historians. So we learn from history and we're very rooted in the teachings of our faith that are ever ancient and ever new. Uh, but we also want to keep asking the Lord to reveal what's the path forward for us and, and for the church. What, what is the Holy Spirit providing for us that we can move in into the future? Scripture tells us we have a future full of hope and, and we're always moving towards the, the fulfillment of the kingdom of God that uh, we proclaim by our lives and by, and by our teaching in the church, but that is never fully experienced in this world. We are called to it, though, and, and are drawn to it and want to make sure that we keep moving forward on the pilgrimage. Though in moving forward, it, it, we have to remember, too, that we're a part of a global human experience. I mean, there are many of us throughout the, many regions of the world have varying experiences, but it, as we've discussed over and over again now, the dignity of each human person and their ability to be able to flourish in the love of Christ and in this world that's been created for them is very important, isn't it? It is, and traditionally we've seen that the, the Catholic Church at, at her best understands in a more rich way the dignity of the human person, the challenges of the human condition, because it's a Catholic Church, a universal church, and there are so many different people of different cultures and, and backgrounds who have heard the proclamation of Christ and, and have responded, and who are now part of this family of faith, part of this living, living body of Christ. So this living organism the church contains many members and a variety of members. So the, a Catholic view of the world, a Catholic view of life, of its challenges and, and, all, and its promises, it is necessarily very rich. If we find ourselves taking too narrow a view or being too confident that we have seen everything, that there is to see or know everything, there is to know about God's plan, about God's providence. And I think we're, we're not Catholic in the richest sense of the term. I have to say in... I've been humbled recently in that I used to think I knew so much, and I've lived in a period where I understood so many things. And yet, here, after just coming out of the experience of a global pandemic, which I don't think any of us anticipated we would have to live through, I'm beginning to see the, the fractures in the world again and experience things that I never thought we would be experiencing again. For example, aggressions of countries in parts of the world. I, they've been happening in areas that haven't had the spotlight, that now that spotlight is very large and we're seeing a lot of pain and suffering occurring within nations. Uh, yeah, sadly, these things continue to recur and have been occurring, as you say. We, we're, we don't always always take note of them. Yeah, the pandemic's done something, and we hope that we're through the worst of it. Some parts of the world, it's still much more of, a, of an issue for people day by day. It's an odd way of saying it, we might say, but reminds us again of the importance of the, of the church in the world, in the modern world in, in which we're living, because the world remains broken and affected by sin. And generation after generation, as we're born into a sinful humanity, even with the help of God's grace, we continue to stumble, continue to be afraid, selfish, affected by, by things which are not, not of God, but are uh, the effect of sin. And so generation after generation, we seem, if you want to call it, to repeat the same mistakes, experience this, the same evils. We, we don't 
adopt in the church as the understanding of the gospel, that we're in a a path of progress, that things just keep getting better and better in every way, generation after generation. We just know that 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 isn't true. Sadly, we, we do repeat some of the same mistakes. We hope we don't do it so much in our own lives that individually we can continue to grow and maybe in communities of, of, of faith can come together to a deeper uh, appreciation for uh, God's plan and, and for the dignity of, of, of each other human person. But corporately, we're still broken. And the pain of that brokenness is, is very apparent. All the more reason for us then to announce this unique event at all of human history, so the thing that doesn't repeat itself, the, the coming of our Savior Jesus Christ into the world, the unique sacrifice that he made on the cross, the unique event of the resurrection of the Son of God. The power of that event remains with us through the, the work of the Holy Spirit from one generation to the next. But it, it's the kind of divine intervention that's unique that breaks the cycle. And it's by being incorporated into the uniqueness of Jesus Christ into the the uniqueness of his Paschal mystery that we can break out of the cycle, break, uh, be relieved of the burden uh, that sin, you know, would impose on us ultimately, the, the burden of death, and have access to the grace that enables us to make good choices, that enables us to, against all odds, do the right thing, do the heroic thing, the unselfish thing. Mm. Yeah, to go out and proclaim the good news to and to respond to his call to us to love God and to love our neighbor and to care in a very real way, that caritas, about our neighbor. I think that is at the very, very heart, isn't it, of so much of what Gaudium et Spes will talk about when it speaks about issues, when it economy and the social life. Having first experienced the love of God for us in such a powerful and unique way in the person of Jesus Christ, then... Uh, we have the um, have the confidence to respond to the call to love our neighbor. We may or may not do it just on our own. You know, many we're not totally corrupt, so there are many good impulses in in anyone. You know, to do the right thing at, at a given moment. But have this be the consistent thrust of our lives, and to be able to really uh, approach life unselfishly, uh, offering the love of Jesus to others is possible because of grace. And the grace ultimately is the experience of God's love for us in Jesus, enabling us then to share what we have first received. In that caring then, especially in being those disciples of Christ that we're, that members of the church are called to be, we are asked to be able to be a part of the dialogue that affects those in need. For example, some may say, what does the church have any business speaking about matters of the economy? I mean, it's okay to go and ask for money for the poor and be able to establish charities. But on the other hand, what business is it of the church on how uh, global economies and all these other systems should function? Yeah, we're in the human person business, you know, and so anything that affects the the human person, and then affects us collectively. Is the it's the business of the church again because God made the decision that that it would be His business that first of all creating us and then redeeming us in in Jesus Christ and not from a distance. Jesus has entered into the human family through the incarnation, and so everything about humanity it's, it we could say is God's business, and 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 so it it's ours. Which doesn't mean that individually any of us has all the answers, or that we 
go about imposing what wisdom we do have on other people in a, in a forcible way. It is, though, part of our responsibility, part of the nature of the church being evangelizing uh, and, and part of our responsibility to share the, the light of, of the gospel, God's plan for human flourishing with our brothers and sisters in, in the human community. The fact that some uh, of what the church teaches uh, uh, intersects with what um, governments or other social organizations would be interested in or taking on or have differing opinions about, that shouldn't surprise us without becoming allies of a particular party or faction at any time or, or place in history, we continue to, sh- to share the, the light of the gospel. I think I've taken this responsibility seriously in our country, especially. Other places do too, I'm sure. But we see it here because we, we have democratic processes and we have the opportunity to have an influence on elections, on those who serve us in, in public office, on public policy. And the church invites us to, to use that influence, not simply to get our way, or to win elections or win arguments, but to bring the goodness of Christ, the light of the gospel, into the public square, to offer it as a gift, and to allow others to receive this wisdom, to consider it, to wrestle with it perhaps, to pray about it, as we have had the opportunity to do. Ultimately, this sounds kind of crass, but ultimately we can take it or leave it. You know, you and I have chosen to take it, to, to receive the gospel. We don't do it perfectly. But somebody offered it to us, and we have had the chance to try it on and, and pray about it and live with it and kind of see how it can shape our lives. And then our responsibility and, and privilege really is to offer that to others for their consideration and to do it coherently and to do it powerfully and you know not be tentative about it or, or anything else at, at the same time not being coercive. We'll return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas in just a moment. Did you know that Discerning Hearts has a free app in which you can find all your favorite Discerning Hearts programming? Father Timothy Gallagher, Dr. Anthony Lillis, Deacon James Keating, Mike Aquilina, Dr. Matthew Bunsen, and so many more are found on the Discerning Hearts free app. Did you also know that you can stream Discerning Hearts programming on numerous streaming platforms such as Apple Podcasts, Google Play, iHeartRadio, Pandora, Spotify, Stitcher, Tune in and so many more. And did you know that Discerning Hearts also has the YouTube page? Be sure to check out all these different places where you can find Discerning Hearts. The Creed. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through him all things were made. For us men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. 
He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is adored and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and Apostolic Church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Hello, my name is Deacon Omar Gutierrez, and I want to ask you to support Discerning Hearts in a special way. We, Chris McGregor, the board, and I all know that not everyone listening can help financially. We know we have listeners from all parts of the world, and we have made a commitment since the beginning to make the truths shared through Discerning Hearts totally free. So while you may not be able to contribute financially, what you can do is certainly pray, but also give us positive reviews on whatever platform you use to listen to us. If it's iTunes, Android, Stitcher, Spotify, however it is that you get these podcasts, or if you're on YouTube and you like our videos, please give us a good rating and write a review. The more good ratings and reviews we get, the higher our profile, and the more listeners will discover us, listeners who may have the means to contribute in the future. Please consider rating us and writing a positive review today. We now return to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. I think there's a particular challenge for bishops that are leading their flock in nations that have an abundance of means, of riches, because of the particular social systems that are set up or economic systems. For example, I mean, very blatantly, I mean, the United States an economic system that favors, for the most part, capitalism. And there may be those who would say the ability for the person to be able to thrive and to make his way in some ways are a great blessing. And God would want them to have that, wouldn't he? Gaudium et Spes addresses this issue along with many others, but the issue of the economy, wealth, individual wealth and corporate wealth, and you know how we make our way through the world materially. So we do, in our situation here, experience a capitalist system, and it works well for a lot of people, and it, uh, and truly, and it, it has provided blessings for, for many people, but the church invites us to see that, that not everybody benefits in the same way and, and to the same degree, and that uh, once uh, individuals or groups have wealth or, ha- or have power, then they it's possible for them to influence the system so that it continues to tilt in their favor and away from good for those who you know who don't have so much wealth or who don't have so, so much power. Again, as we look at history, we see that that has happened. It's happening now. The gap between the very wealthy and ordinary people, we might say, are certainly the, the poorest people. That continues to grow in our country, and that should be a, a concern to us. Jesus is very clear in the gospel that we need to be aware of the needs of, of people around us. And in a society like ours, which is so wealthy corporately, and where there are so many blessings and we have the ability to offer things like education and health care in a way that, that's good and effective, our faith invites us to think together about how can we make those blessings accessible to more people 
in our system, the presumption is that you're going to be able to earn your place in society and make a living and pay your way and be able to access things for yourself and, and for your family. And to the extent that, that people can do that, that's good. We just recognize that not everybody is able to do that, and for a variety of reasons that we may or may not like, but we see the result. And, and so we, it's just simply not the Catholic position to say that it's the survival of the fittest. And, you know, if you can make it, we've got a pretty good system here, and if you can make it good, if you can't, too bad. There are a variety of different kinds of economies throughout the world, and so the the church speaks in general terms uh, about this about this matter. Uh, but it, but it is very clear in, in the in the end that that um, that everyone in the human family in God's plan has equal dignity. That the earth and the goods of the earth belong in some ways to all of us for our flourishing in God's providence. Some have the ability to do more w- with it with the gifts that they've been given, and we should we should do the best uh, we can, but we should also be conscious that there are people in our community who, who have a claim on some of what we have, perhaps because of the fact that they're here, and, and they're members of the human family. They're our brothers and sisters. You know, it's a shame in many ways, I think, that the conversations that those in the church would have about the best ways of meeting the needs of not only the people that were in our own particular regions, but outside of our regions, maybe in our hemisphere and others, it gets caught up in the political dialogue between political camps. I'm not a Catholic who is this political Republican, or I'm a Catholic that's a Democrat. For me, I'm a Catholic, and I try to respond to what the church is asking me, well, even more importantly, what Christ is asking me to do in this a particular situation. Right, and that's a, an important process process of discernment. But we see in these documents of the Second Vatican Council, for example, the church doesn't give us a playbook. And so it's not a, a set of policy statements for this circumstance and that circumstance. We have general principles and, and uh, that have been held discerned in the church through 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 the ages and then it's up to us individually but usually together to to try to discern what's the best way to put these into practice reasonable people will disagree about the means and i think that the church in general is comfortable with that as long as the means don't lead us to just write off some some people are just say well the majority of us are going to go along this way and it's too bad for too bad for everybody else Uh, the situation in many countries that there are political parties and political factions where encouraged in, into that process to try to bring the light of the gospel there. But we should always hold our baptismal identity as members of the body of Christ. We should hold that first. That should be the center of our understanding of ourselves, center of our life and existence. And we, then we bring that influence with us and try to move things as well as we can. We, we find that there can be legitimate compromise or the ability to take a, a step in a good direction, with the hope that then we could take another step after that, not hold out for everything that would be a solution at, uh, at once. That's normally not, not possible. But, you know, the fact is that Lazarus is at the gate uh, today. And, and so, you know, if we're deliberately just stepping over or avoiding problems in the culture, which are really burdens for people, then um, that, that's not... That's not Christian living, and it's not what the the Lord is asking of us. It's a long way of saying the solutions aren't always so clear. 
we can do some things individually, some things we have to do corporately. Often, we're able to band together in societies or, or groups or clubs, organizations, whatever, who have a mission, you know, to serve people in a particular way. You know, here in our own city, we have a number of outreach centers, you know, that have been started by individual persons. Many of them we could see moved by the gospel, by their own relationship with the Lord, and they're focused in neighborhoods and try to meet the human needs of people there. They may or may not have government funding, but they have really an independent mission. Uh, We've come in recent times, relatively recent in, in human history, to see that governments can take on some of this responsibility, which really means that we, the citizens, contribute to the work of the government to to try to take on some bigger issues that might best be handled that way. But it's it's really not a good tendency to surrender all of our responsibilities to the government or to think that, that somehow an organization or a mechanism is going to really be the solution to human problems. It's very difficult to separate out, as it does in Gaudium et Spes, but in reality to separate out an economic response and the political involvement of those lay people that are out in the world and trying to respond in ways without it being um, being pulled into those different factions, as it were. Yeah, we're in a, a very highly politicized period of human history right now. In our country, it's happening in other in other places too. So everything seems to be, you might say, tainted by, by, um, a radical politics. You know, it's an all or nothing version of of one 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 policy or, or or another. So it's an important moment for us then to, as Christians, followers of Jesus Christ, to try to have an influence and to guard against allowing the gospel or allowing our understanding of of life in Christ to be tainted by something that's less than that. So again, we, we can't create a perfect world. Jesus doesn't expect us to. But we, we don't want to allow uh, our religious faith, our understanding of the gospel, to be co-opted by something that's less than that, by a, by a human institution, a political party. At the same time, we, we want to have an influence there. And I admire the, the good people who get into the fray you know, thank goodness we have them. Because it's so uh, unpleasant these days and so uh, strident, it's easy enough to, to just give up on that, on that work altogether. So I'm, we want to pray for all who serve us in public office or who aspire to do that, but especially those who we know have shaped their lives and their decisions by the gospel as well as they can and really try to have an influence in that way. It is so interesting, too, that and I'm trying to say this in a way that's sensitive to where people are at and how they perceive the world and their experience of it, that for some to look at the areas of communism and Marxism, fascism, those types of systems that do exist in other portions of the world, to realize that those portions of the world may be looking at a system like capitalism as an exploitation, where there are many that will become very wealthy and on the backs, as they would say, in their lands to their people, that uh, that, uh, it's on the backs of those who will receive so much less. And that's where I think so many of us in in these dialogues about the economy and how to respond to people uh, and not in 
to make available people the opportunity to be able to do the work that you know God has called us and fashioned us to be a people who actually do work in many different ways, knowing where that how that falls out in our lives. And so th- because it's so much a part of who we are, that's why the church can help us navigate those areas. You're right. That not all of these systems or isms are equal or equally respectful of, of human dignity. I think we can say, even though we're you know immersed in it, that the system that we enjoy in this country opens up the possibility for great human flourishing. It's not perfect. And we see that some people are not experiencing benefits of the the whole of society or even the fruits of their own labor in a you know in a way that that's fair for them at the same time if we work this well many people can benefit and and we can create a great abundance that can be shared among all of us and i think there are many who have benefited you know in, in that way again we, we want to make clear that not everyone not everyone does and not because it's their own fault at the same time we don't want to canonize what we have and say you know this is this is gospel living. What, what we have here in these and other places, they don't. You know, it's really not a, a gospel impulse to say, well, you know, we're not as bad as those people, so we must be okay. The question is always, who am I before God and what's God offering me and calling me to? What's the step forward that he's inviting me to take, recognizing my sins and also the opportunities to grow in his, in his grace. You know, I don't think we can misuse the, the church's teachings and her general principles about the economy and about human flourishing in all kinds of different ways. So, you know, we don't want to read them as condemning the system that we have in this country, for example, and, and in the Western world. At the same time, you know, the recent popes have been challenging to us to be careful and not to identify prosperity for some with the gospel or with you know, with God's plan so that we have our bearings and we've got everything we need and so we don't, there's no reference to, to God or to, to our neighbor. We'll continue our conversation on Gaudium et Spes, the pastoral constitution on the church in the modern world, in our next episode. You've been listening to Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas. To hear and or to download this conversation, along with hundreds of other spiritual formation programs, visit DiscerningHearts.com or you can find it within the free Discerning Hearts app. This has been a production of Discerning Hearts in cooperation with the Archdiocese of Omaha. I'm your host, Chris McGregor. We hope that if this program has been helpful for you, that you will first pray for our mission, which is to bring authentic and rock-solid spiritual formation freely to souls around the world. And if you feel us worthy, please consider a charitable donation, which is fully tax-deductible, to help support our efforts. But most of all, we hope that you will tell a friend about DiscerningHearts.com and join us next time for Why It Matters, an exploration of faith with Archbishop George Lucas.